Hey there, just wanted to let you know there could be parts of this episode that are triggering. So I just wanted to inform you before you start listening, it is totally your choice to listen. If it gets too much, please step away and take care of yourself best as you can. And if you're someone who can listen and go back and forth and listen to it in parts, that is totally up to you. I just wanted to make sure I put the disclaimer before you go ahead and listen. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to It Didn't Break Me, a podcast where we have honest and vulnerable conversations around the messy stuff we didn't think we'd come back from, inspiring you to give yourself permission to discover the beauty within the mess and to let go the illusion of perfection. I'm your host, Bianca Keisha Hughes. Hello and welcome to the It Didn't Break Me podcast. I am your host, Bianca Keisha Hughes, and I am so grateful that you are tuning in and listening to the podcast. If this is your first time, welcome. And if not, and you are an avid listener, welcome back. So this is season three and this is episode nine. And as always, I have an amazing guest sharing their story or something they thought would break them, but it didn't. And so before we get into this episode, I want you to think about something real quick. Sometimes we really get stuck in fear. So you might be stuck in the fear of, I don't have it all together, so I just can't show up. Or I am so fearful of doing things wrong that I overanalyze things, right? And I go over things over and over again because I don't want to fail. I don't want to look like a failure. Often when we're having that line of thinking, we're going in the line of thinking of what if it all goes wrong? What if it doesn't work out? What if I mess up? What if they reject me? What if they really find out who I am and don't like who I am? So I'm going to use that same word and I'm going to challenge you this week. What if it all works out? What if it is the best thing you ever did? What if you taking a step closer to your dream or trying something hard is a valuable learning lesson? What if you doing something that is hard or you're fearful of being rejected or failure, you learn something amazing about yourself. What if you go to that event and you meet an amazing person or amazing people? What if that next conversation leads you to the dream that you forgot about? So I want to challenge you, instead of using the what if to worst case scenario, to use what if as possibilities and the possibilities are endless. And here's the thing, the same muscle you do to worry and you meditate and you ruminate over and over is the same muscle you use to imagine and dream. Nothing different. It's a matter of what are you going to choose? What is the what if? you're going to choose. So something for you to think about, but let's go in to the episode because I definitely know for sure this guest had a lot of what ifs, um, so much so that she 
even had to surrender to the process. Sometimes we don't want to surrender and we're talking about losing it all and having to start from scratch, losing your family, losing, you know, in terms of your spouse, losing your business, losing hundreds of thousands of dollars and having to start all over and do something completely different. So my guest today is Stacy Wright. Stacy is a leader in the revolution to bring heart-based practices to business. She is a force of innovation and getting business ideas launched. Her 20 years of experience with more than 28 patents and five startups put her on the cutting edge in shaping our society through business. In addition to managing her two businesses, three products, and four brands, she also helps support inventors and entrepreneurs in bringing their world-changing visions to life. Combining her signature creation formula, human design, and her full-spectrum invention-to-market company. She leads other good-hearted entrepreneurs in bringing their visions to life with power, contributing to the positive evolution of the world. So let's go ahead and get into the conversation. Hello, Stacey, and welcome to the It Didn't Break Me podcast. Good morning. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you. Likewise, I'm excited that you're here. I'm grateful that you're here, and I'm looking forward to this story. I always like to tell people, and just for you listening, like I really don't know too much of her story, so I'm going to be surprised just like you. So (laughs) let's get in. Um, The authentic conversation. The authentic conversation. What is something you thought would break you, but it didn't? Wow. That, I mean, it's such a great question. And I have had multiple moments in my life that where I've experienced something like that. But I think the biggest one and the one that's the most recent one was it happened about 12 years ago when I had, um, I had, I've always been an entrepreneur. So I've always had a business going and it's always been my dream to have a business. And so I had accomplished what I had wanted to accomplish in my life. And so I was living the life of having a, you know, a $5 million business. I had the boat on the lake and all of the lifestyle that goes along with that, the husband, the two kids, the two dogs. I mean, like life was picture perfect at that moment. And we got hit with a lawsuit by an ex-employee. And what happened during or after that lawsuit Um, Over the course of about 10 years, I ended up losing everything. I lost the lifestyle. I lost the business. I lost my husband and had to start over from scratch and actually was below scratch because I was, you know, half a million dollars in personal debt that I had to overcome. And I started as a middle-aged single mom from, from that position. And that was something that I thought for sure, this is the end. This is going to, this is going to take me out. Wow. Can you share how old you were? I was um, 40. Let's see what, how old was I? Cause right now I'm 51. So I would have been 40, <laughs> 41, 42. Wow. 
Wow. And and so many people have this perception of what life is meant to be like at 41. Mm-hmm. Like people don't think about starting all over again or that you're going to lose a business. You kind of feel like I'm here. So what else is only up from here? Right. So tell me, what was that experience like in terms of when things started to just crumble and things just started to fall away? How were you feeling and what were some of the thoughts that you had? I thought, why is this happening? And how can we stop it? And how can we, I mean, I think a lot of what I was going through was shock in the beginning, going through mm-hmm. the, the lawsuit and, you know, showing up to court and learning that, you know, court's not really about justice. It's really about maneuvering and, and manipulation. And there was, there were things that were happening that were so beyond my control that I just didn't understand. So it just felt like I just kept getting hit over and over and over and so many gut punches and so many knocked down, you know, thinking that, okay, now we're going to be getting over this hurdle and another one would come. And it was just nonstop like that. And I, and I don't, I'm not kidding when I say it was, it was a good five years that it was just getting the hell beat out of me. And I think at some points I just didn't want to be here anymore. At some points I wanted to give up. And Mm -hmm. it was just so incredibly overwhelming. That's all I can remember going through. I was in that fight or flight mode of response um, just in my body and it was a constant. And so, so during that time, overwhelm was a big, a big feeling I had. And then fear, fear and overwhelm was what I was going Mm. through. Okay. And you said it's, it, it happened slowly. Mm -hmm. So did you kind of lose a business first, lose your husband first, what, or was that all one in the same? Well, the lawsuit happened and then, then we lost the lawsuit. So then there was a judgment. So then we had to set, go to bankruptcy through bankruptcy, set up a payment plan to pay mm-hmm. this judgment off. It was a $1.6 million judgment. So we went through the bankruptcy process, but we still had a business. Things were still okay. We could still pay this back and be okay. But what happened was then my marriage started to fall apart and my husband at the time and I, we were in business together. So it was our business together. So when that happened, then the wheels started falling off. So the mm. business, the momentum of the business carried us through for several years through the bankruptcy and then through the first parts of the divorce, but the divorce ended up taking four, four years before it was from start to finish. And it was because there was so much, there was so much with the wow. business and the turmoil and all of the things going on with that. Well, I, I fought a lot. <laughs> I fought through that whole thing and I just kept getting up and fighting and getting up and fighting at the end of the divorce. I ended up with the company. So I ended up with, with everything, but it included the debt and it included the damage oh. and it included all of the drama that had happened. I, you know, pick myself up by the bootstraps. I had the business, I was moving forward. And then, you know, you think at that point, okay, now it's time for it to turn around, but that's not what happened. So I, I recovered the business, ended up getting a commitment from a funding company for a $3 million mm-hmm. loan. And so there was a bridge between September and December. So September is when I got the commitment for the, the loan. December 1st mm-hmm. is when it was supposed to fund. So September 1st came and I thought, okay, now I've got the money. Now I can start rebuilding the company, pay off this debt and move forward with my life. Well, 
I got, I started working on getting some bridge loans to get me in between because I was still bleeding about a hundred thousand dollars a month. And so I needed money to get through those three months. And so I had borrowed money from one of my vendors that was overseas. And so he was going to wire me the money. So I sent him my wire information. Well, between the time I sent the wire and the time he received it, a hacker had gotten in there and changed the wiring instructions. He wired a very large amount of money, $150,000. It went to the hacker and that money was gone like overnight (gasps) and there was zero way to recover it. And so at that point, you know, holy crap. So I go back into the overwhelm and the fear and all of that stuff that's happening. Oh my gosh. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like the hits kept coming. And so then I thought, well, if I can just make it to December 1st, right. If I make it to December 1st, everything will be okay. Cause I've got this big loan coming. It's all okay. So then I went to friends and family and started borrowing money. So I borrowed money from friends and family got through to December 1st. Well, the December 1st came and went and the money didn't come. We get to all the way to December 15th. And I get an email saying, we can't fund this loan. There was a problem that the underwriter missed And now the loan is not going through. So, yeah. So at that point, what did you think, Stacey? Because you're like, oh, my gosh, like what? I thought that was that had to be the end. Like that had to be the end at that point. What what am I going to do? But I had already like wheels were already in motion with the business. So then there was a year and a half of a complete come apart with the business under my control. So then it just started unraveling more and more and more. And I didn't think it could get any worse, but it kept getting worse and worse and worse. And finally in 2018, every, mm-hmm. it, 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 everything was, it was, it was done. The business could not be salvaged um, in my control. It actually got turned over to my vendor who the company owed great money too. Right. So in, in order for them to recover their, their money, they took the company. So it was just a complete come apart. And it was over the course of about 10 years. Oh my gosh. Yeah. What was that like that final time when you had to be like, I have to let this business go? I remember moments that I would lay in my floor and cry and sob and question God, the universe, life, why? Why is this being taken away from me? This is like, this was my dream. This was what I always wanted. Why is it being taken away? Like, why is nothing working? And just being in that space of just sobbing and crying. And it's, it was a deep grief. It was a very deep grief. Mm-hmm. Mm. And then at the same time, you have your two kids. At the same time, I have my two kids. Yes. And trying to put on, you know, the front and the strength and the, for them so that they don't see what's really happening. Right. Cause that's incredibly overwhelming for children to, to, um, to witness what's going on. Uh, and then there was turmoil with the breakup, the marriage, that wasn't an easy thing either. He was very angry and very upset and very vindictive. And so there was that that was going on in the background as well, where, you know, he, he had vowed to, to take my children from me. And so I was fighting for my kids and it was just, 
when I say the hits kept coming, I won't not joke. Mm. So it was fighting to keep my kids, keep the relationship with my kids intact, keeping them on track and, and functioning at a good level while I'm like, all of this is happening to me. It was mm. completely uh, a nightmare. It was a nightmare. Did you realize you had that much fight in you? I did not. There's no way I thought, <laughs> no, if you had shown me a picture of what it was going to be, I would have said, no, I can't, I don't, I can't handle that. What do you think it was? Where did that come from? That fight? I think for me, what kept me going was my kids because there's that drive mm-hmm. inside that I've, I'm responsible for two humans and I'm mm-hmm. responsible for how they turn out and like what they, you know, how they respond when life knocks them down. And so what do I want to model for them? I want to model for them, somebody that gets back up. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that really was the driving force. Cause if it wasn't for my kids, I would have given up. Like there would have been no reason really for me to keep going at that point. So I think it was the kids that propelled me or that mother instinct or whatever that is that drives at that mm-hmm. point. I, but I am also a very stubborn and strong-willed person. You can ask my parents. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think maybe that played into it too. I don't know. I think, but I, I do think all of us are more resilient and strong than we think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. When we're put in that position, yeah. it kind of changes. Yeah. So everything's gone at this point. The business is finally gone. What do you start doing? What What does life look like for you after that? So I read an interesting book and I was also on a very spiritual path during this time. And, you know, mm-hmm. the, and the spiritual part started a couple of years before the, the complete come apart, which is interesting. About two years before the complete come apart, I started meditating every day and I started A Course in Miracles. So I started really into the spiritual journey of just surrendering and being of service. It really became mm. important to me. And so I was still meditating through that time. And it was interesting because things were really, when I would surrender them, they would start mm-hmm. working out. It was when I was fighting that they would not work out. And so I started correlating, okay, well, if I surrender, things might work out. Let's see. And then I read a book by Michael Singer called The Surrender Experiment. And he was an entrepreneur and he talks about his whole life. He spent in this surrender mode of just following what life brought him and, you know, going with his gut instinct on yes or no and what to, what to do. And he ended up having this company that was amazing. It was a publicly traded company, had great success, And it just resonated for me. And I thought, well, I don't have anything to lose. I have zero to lose. Mm. And so why don't I have an experiment with life? Why don't I experiment instead of trying to fix it all myself? Because I've tried for 10 years to fix it all myself and failed miserably. And it seems like when I surrender, things work out. So how about I just do this now, now or never, let's just jump in with both feet. And so I decided I'm going to surrender completely and totally. And I'm going to see what life brings me. I'm going to have my own experiment of this. So life show me because I've tried everything. I've tried all the tricks in my bag. So show me what life has for me. And that's when I went into this complete surrender. What does that look like when you say the word surrender? Because it means so many different things to different people or looks different. So what did it look like to surrender or, you know, how do you define that? Um, Surrender to me was to not go out and try to strategize and make things happen, which is what I was always used to doing. It was sitting back 
And it was waiting for things to come across my path. It was following the inspiration instead of logically trying to make things happen. So it was letting go of the goals and the, what I, what I see for my life and, and saying, okay, I'm open and I'm willing. And I did, I set one intention. I set one intention. It was the one intention that I kept in in the forefront of my mind. And then everything else I just let come to me. And the intention was I wanted to make a positive impact in the world with power and sustainability. That was, Mm. that was the core of who I was. And so I just kept saying that, okay, show me life, show me, I want to make it a positive impact in the world with power and sustainability. Show me what that looks like. And so then I started responding to things based on like an instinct or that inside voice, not with my head. So it really looked a lot like learning to not let my thoughts get in the way and the fears get in the way of just relaxing and allowing life to bring to me what was correct for me. Okay. Now that sounds absolutely beautiful. (laughs) It like sounds very freeing, right? Yes. So to me, I know when we set these attentions, things will come at us, right? Yes. What were the things that came at you to get in the way? Because I want people to know, like, that's not easy. There's going to be things that come against that want to make you change your mind, that want to make you give up and take back control. So what were the things that came at you? And what did you do? Constantly. (laughs) It was constantly. My mind was so wired for, uh, to look out for the, you know, what's going to happen, what could happen what are the bad things that I was always looking for the other shoe to drop. So my mind, it was really the whole struggle and the hard work. I say, when you go into surrender, it's hard work. It sounds wonderful and freeing. And just like you said, but the, the hard work comes into play when your mind kicks in and wants to take control back because of fear or, or because, Oh, I see this good thing happening. Now I'm going to follow that. And I'm going to go make this happen over here. And I push a little too hard, right? The mind says, oh, but that's what we want. That's what, how we could make a positive impact. And then it's like reeling that back in. So for me, I did a whole lot of walking out in nature because that was the one place that I could really let go Otherwise, if I'm here in my office or I'm here engaging with with whatever I think I should be engaging with, my mind wants to take over and take control. And so literally there were days when I would go on two big walks. There's a big loop here locally where I have um, where I go for a walk and it's a mile and a half loop and it goes up into the trees and it's really mm-hmm. beautiful. And so I would go go in the mornings and then I'd come back and I'd work for a little bit or, you know, do whatever I have going. But by the end, you know, by a couple hours later, my mind was going and I'm back in control. And I was like, okay, I've got to go back into surrender. So I sometimes would have to go back out and walk again. Because that was the one thing that reset me and brought me back to center because my mind was constantly worried about how am I going to pay rent? How am I going to feed my kids? How am I going to have food? How am I? And I was not being led to a job. Like normally people would be like, go get a job and make money, but I wasn't being led that direction. And so there was all of that. Like I need to pay my bills. How am I going to do this without paying my bills? And, and so that was the hardest part of the surrender was letting go of the, the programming or the con- I call it conditioning that lives in our mind mm-hmm. with those limiting beliefs. Mm, that's so helpful. Thank you. I can, you know, I can think of myself 
um, fighting against um, the society standards or what it's meant to look like or having things orderly, definitely, you know, dealing with my clients that deal with the perfectionism, you know, anyone that's listening like this, it has to be this way. And also being attached to the outcome, you know, of this goal. And now here you're like, uh, we're just going to follow this, this, right. <laughs> this, I want to make a positive impact in the world with what there's no goal. There's no smart goals. There's no, and it's like, no, no, we're just going to do this. Mm-hmm. I can relate to that. Cause I'm not like, don't always like goals or five-year goals. I understand the point of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've always just said, I want to do this or this and things just happen because the goals always sometimes overwhelm me. So, but still there's this, I've got to do it this way. So thank you for sharing about the fight. What did it start to look like when you were able to surrender? What did that look like? Well, things externally started falling back in place. Things externally started happening that led me on a path that I never would have thought of myself. And I, so I had also learned about human design. I don't know. Are you familiar with human design at all? I've heard it. I don't know too much about it, but I have heard about it. I don't know the whole definition of it, but I'm starting to hear. Okay. So human design is a energetic blueprint for you. So it's based on your time, date, and place of birth. It gives you specific, it's kind of like an owner's guide for you as a human. So how you're designed to interact with the energy and how you're designed to make decisions and what you're here to do. And so I had learned about human design about a year before the surrender experiment. And human design is about an experiment too. It's a new way to think about life. And so I was playing around with this human design, experimenting with it, if you will. So I I learned that I was designed to respond to life. I was designed to uh, wait for something to come across my path and respond based on my gut instinct. So when my gut got lit up about something, I would say yes and follow that. And when my gut said no, then I didn't go towards that. So when I felt lit up and inspired, I would follow that. So the very first thing, one of the very first things that I remember happening was I got an invitation to join this club. It was a national entrepreneurs club and it was a large fee to join it. It was a $10,000 membership fee to join this club. And at the time it didn't make logical sense for me to join this club. I'm in between like I've lost a business and I haven't got my new business and I don't have a job. I don't have a steady income. It didn't make sense for me to join this club, but my gut was super lit up about it. And I thought I'm in this experiment. If I'm going to truly do this experiment, I'm going to do it full on. And so I moved forward and I followed that that path and I wrote the check for $10,000 and I showed up to the first meeting and it was in North Dakota. And I sat at the meeting. We met some great people. It was a, you know, a couple of days that we were there and met some great people, came back home, nothing extraordinary happened. And then all of a sudden I was no longer lit up about this club. And I thought, well, that was an experience. That was an expensive experiment to spend that kind of money and only go to one meeting. But I tried to force my, I forced myself to go to the next meeting and I forced myself to go to the next meeting and it just drained my energy. And I thought, well, I, I'm not going to keep doing it if, if it doesn't make, you know, if it, if it's not feeding my energy, that was what I was supposed to be paying attention to. But my head was saying, you paid the money, you got to get your money's worth. So that was a whole fight in and of itself. But then I surrendered. I'm like, nope, I'm following this experiment. A year later, I was talking to an acquaintance. I ended up in a mastermind. I ended up facilitating masterminds, which is something I hadn't even planned on doing. 
that was an organic experience. Um, but I was facilitating this mastermind and one of the members and I would talk about business and we, t- she wanted to start a product-based business. I was in between businesses and it just, every time I talked to her, I was lit up. I was like, yes, this is so exciting. How about we do a business together? And she, she, she thought that was a great idea. And so we started a company where we're bringing new inventions to life. So we're bringing new products to life. And, and so the very first part, the biggest expense when we're doing new inventions is the patenting, right? That's the biggest upfront mm-hmm. expense when you're coming up with a new invention. So we thought, well, we need to have a patent attorney entrepreneur who will be a partner and do all of the patent work for us. And so, you know, finding that's like a needle in a haystack, but it just so <laughs> happens at the very first meeting in North Dakota, the guy I sat next to, we hit it off famously. He looks like my brother. We just had a great time connecting. He was an entrepreneurial patent attorney. What? Yes. So I call him up. I'm like, Hey, James, you want to be a part of this business? Well, this is what we're going to do. And he said, yeah, sounds great. Sign me up. Since that time, he's done far more than $10,000 worth of patent work for the company. So that's one example of how this experiment has unfolded for me. And it, it goes against our logic. It goes against linear strategic thinking. It goes against everything we've been taught. Mm. And I, I can't, I, it is what it is. And so that one thing after another, after another, it just kept happening like that. And now what we have today, we have three products, four brands. We have our first patent. We have another provisional patent happening and we're moving forward. And the business is a social impact business, which means we're making a powerful and positive impact in the world with the sustainability just like of you said. <laughs> right? It's Look at that. Crazy. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. That is amazing, Stacey. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah. That is just amazing. It's so, are you still surrendering? Where are you today? Are uh, you still surrendering? A hundred percent. And there's layers and levels of surrender. And every time I turn around, there's another level and another layer. It it gets a lot easier. It's a lot easier now. But yes, still complete and total surrender. And um, but there's moments where there's right, the fear still comes and it still happens. Mm-hmm. My mind is still engaged. I'm still living in a society with these rules and conditions and things that need to take place. And so, but, but now what happens is I recognize it really quick. When I start trying to control mm. things, I recognize the fear immediately. And I have the tools now to unwind the fear and to go back into surrender. Mm. Okay. So when it comes, you're quit. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so where would you say you are like emotionally and mentally? Because I know you went through a lot. Did you also, was part of that surrender helping with that emotional and mental, that overwhelm and those fears as well? Or was there something else? No, that, I mean, this whole process has helped me tremendously to unwind that overwhelm and the fear and, you know, really look at those fears and look at where they're coming from and what the belief system is for a long time. Um, the, well, the belief system we're taught is that you have to make money. You have to go get a job. You have to be, you know, do these things in order to live. What my experiment showed me 
And maybe this isn't going to be everybody's experience. But what my experience shows me is that I have not worked since losing my business. I have not had a job. I have not traded my time for money. And I have been able to pay my bills. Mm. Money shows up. Now, I'm not saying just surrender and life is easy and it just comes in the mail. <laughs> I don't want to, to give that impression. But the discipline of daily meditation, the discipline of, you know, being more detached from the thought process and those, those thoughts that take us down a, the path of fear. It's really undoing mm -hmm. the fear. That's where the hard work is. So yes, if you do the hard work to have clarity of mind and you do the hard work of removing and unraveling the fear and you do the hard work of coming back to your heart space and staying in a state of love and then you go into surrender, mm -hmm. things work and not the way we've been trained. Okay. So I would, I mean, so it's, it's almost like each person needs, has to go through their own experiment of it because there's not one how to, we each have our own. I mean, you know, this is a therapist. We each have our own layers of dysfunction mm -hmm. and conditioning and limiting beliefs that we have to get through. But if we're willing to get through those and we can stand in a, in a grounded space of love with clarity, life will bring us exactly what is for us. Hmm. I love that. I love that. Yes. So I have a question though. Okay. For the, for the person with a limited belief for like, mm, yeah. you said a couple of things. Um, well, one thing I want to kind of clarify is when you say money shows up and you didn't have to work, is that referring to you just didn't have to go to a nine to five and then you had a business and the money showed up through the business or money just was literally just showing up. It, so I didn't have to go get a nine to five. I didn't have to go to work for, for somebody. Um, I do have something that came out of this surrender experiment also was a community for female entrepreneurs. And so I started working mm -hmm. with female entrepreneurs, facilitating masterminds. And so that brought me a little bit of income, not quite enough because I mean, I've got a lot of bills to pay. Um, so it wasn't paying all my bills, but it was helping. And then literally money would show up like random checks in the mail. So I got one, one day I went to the mailbox and there was a check from the IRS and it was a refund for my corporation mm -hmm. that was I mean, completely unexpected. And it was enough to pay mm -hmm. my bills for about six months. I mean, it was a large sum of money. And I called my CPA. I'm like, hey, I got this refund. Should I cash it or what, what should I do? Yeah. <laughs> cash it, take it. It is what it is. Um, and so then, you know, I, then I, I had at one point I had a debt to the IRS, right? I owed money to the IRS. And so they mm -hmm. take out the money automatically each month from your checking account. Well, I switched banks. And so I moved bank accounts and I forgot to let the IRS know. So when they went to get the money, the money wasn't there. And then what happens is they give you a deferral of interest. And so all of the interest that they would have charged me was being deferred as long as I made these monthly payments. Well, the minute you miss one payment, all of that interest mm. gets added to the balance. So oh. I missed the payment or I didn't miss it, but I changed banks. So then I got it switched over. And then I wrote this letter to the IRS. I said, hey, my bad. I 
changed bank accounts. I'm so sorry. I didn't let you know. I've got the new bank account. Is there any way you would consider, you know, taking the interest off? And literally they took off all the interest, even from like a prior balance. So the, the difference from when they removed all the interest netted a result of me getting a refund. So it paid off the entire debt and gave me a refund. Oh. Yes. Yes. So that's the kind of random stuff that would happen okay. and it would get me through. The money was the big, the money has been the biggest program to unwind in the mind, the conditioning mm-hmm. that we've received about money and, and how mm-hmm. money comes. So that's been the hardest one for me, but mm-hmm. you know, after all these years, you can't deny the reality. And that's, that's really how, how it's been for me in unlocking these belief systems, because they don't just go away because you say, okay, I don't want to believe that anymore. It doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. They're, they're locked mm-hmm. in there pretty deep. So there is a process of undoing that. And some of it is look at the evidence. What is the evidence in your life showing you? And I remember I was so stuck on overwhelm all the time that I really had to start talking myself through this. Wait a minute though. The evidence shows that you're not going to be a homeless person. Why do you think you're going to be homeless? Like I had this, this, this thought that if, if I don't do everything right, I'm going to end up homeless. Mm. There's not one day in my life that I've been homeless. So why would I think, why is that a belief system that I hold? Yeah. There's no evidence from the show. world. Yes. Yes, comes from the world, the fear that if you don't this, you're going to lose and nothing like, you know, sometimes I say that to clients. I'm like, okay, I'm going to can't pay my bills. I can't do this. I'm like, okay, well, let's just think about this. Hmm. If you lost your job, do you think you don't have the ability to get another job? Right. Yes. (laughs) It's almost as like we feel like we've lost all of our capabilities to make money or to work or whatever the case may be. We go to worst case scenario. Oh, my God. Yes, exactly. Wow. Wow. Oh, this has been such a good conversation, Stacey. You are very inspiring. Um, So do you have any words for the listener? Anything you would like to share? One thing that, that I started early on, and this was something, I don't know if you're familiar with Louise Hay, but she was very much a healer in her own right. Mm-hmm. She lived a beautiful long life um, and passed away a couple of years ago in her late eighties or early nineties, but she healed literally millions of people through um, her work. That was spiritual. It was about our thoughts and how our thoughts create our reality. Like she was teaching this before anybody else was teaching this. So very sage woman. And and so I was watching this interview with her back probably 12 years ago before mm-hmm. all the come apart. Um, and she said, you know, I used to think there was a, I used to give a different piece of advice for people who are having relationship problems. And then I would give another piece of advice for people who are having career problems. And then a totally different piece of advice for somebody that was struggling in, in, a, in addiction. Mm-hmm. The older I get, the more I realize it really only boils down to one thing. And if you do this one thing really well, everything else falls into place. And I was sitting at the edge of my seat, like, tell me what this one thing is. Cause I, I've, I'm a lifelong learner and, you know, self-development has been something I'm very interested in, 
Um, so I tried a lot of things, but I thought, well, if I could just do one thing, that would be make it really easy. Mm-hmm. And she said, if you truly learn to love yourself, everything else will fall into place. And so I literally, I took that to heart and she, she made out these 12 commandments of learning to love yourself. And so I found them, I Googled and found them and, and printed them out and put them up on my mirror and put them up on my treadmill and put them up in my office so that I was seeing them constantly every day. And I made that my one goal. I made that my one goal is to learn to love myself. And truly, if you're going to unravel the fears and the, and the conditioning that lives in our mind, it has to be with love. Without the self-love, I would have, there's no way I could have helped myself through that process. It's not an easy process, but the love that I developed for myself was the, was what allowed me to do the other work. Man, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. You know, sometimes people question or worry that that is selfish. Mm-hmm. Um. But in reality, often the things that we're doing for other people is for them to love us. So why not love ourselves first? Mm -hmm. It's true. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Stacey. Yes. Thank you. So where can people find you um, to shower you with love? Oh, awesome. Um, my, I'm on Facebook and Instagram that you can find me at stacy.renee.ceo. And that's Stacy S-T-C-I, and Renee is R-E-N-E-E. Um, that's where you can find me on a regular basis. I do post quite a bit in there. And then from there, you can find my other stuff. It's all linked in there. I think that's probably the easiest way to find me. Okay, great. Thank you so much for that. And I will also um, put all that information in the show notes. So awesome. thank you so much, Stacey. Perfect. Yes. And the, in the way, I mean, if somebody wanted to engage with me, some of the ways that people could engage with me, um, I have, I do have CEO essentials, which is a female mastermind community for female entrepreneurs. I also have um, a company that does new inventions. So if somebody has a new idea for a new product and they don't know what to do with it or how to get it to market, I can help them with that. Um, if anybody's interested in social impact, social impact mm-hmm. investing or social impact business, they can reach out to me and con- connect with me there. I've got lots of opportunities in that realm as well. So any okay. of those ways. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Yes, yes, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for, for sharing this story and for really digging in and, and pulling out the nuggets. Listen, I don't know about you. I needed Stacy's words and inspiration and encouragement. So I'm going to share what I got. You might have got something different, which is okay, but I'm going to share what I needed (laughs) and what I got from that. First of all, um, like I said at the beginning, like I didn't know what she was going to share her full story. And that I think that really helps me to make for a better interview because then I get really curious and I just want to know all the details. So I hope that was really helpful and you got some great nuggets. So the first thing is detaching yourself from the fears, detaching yourself from limiting beliefs. Now, one of the things I always talk about is you know, when it comes to like perfectionism, you have to be aware and become aware. And once you become aware 
then you can start the process of detaching, right? Or letting go of perfectionism. So in this case, it's becoming aware of your fears, being more intentional to be aware of the things that you're afraid of. Maybe it's from your body response. Maybe it's how you, the words that you say and you're questioning yourself, well, why do I think that way? So I think it's important to be aware. And then when you can aware, be aware of your fears, you can then begin to detach from them because they also create the limiting beliefs. Then the other thing is that the experiment, right? The surrender experiment. Now I asked those questions, what was it like and what got in the way? Because it's not just, I surrender and it's great and woohoo. It has to be an ongoing thing. I believe surrendering is ongoing. It's a choice. It's a continual choice that you do to surrender. And sometimes you might not, but just her talking about surrendering and as a result of her surrendering the money showed up as a result of her surrendering maybe things didn't happen exactly when she thought they would but they began to change when she needed them and so I think sometimes myself included should I say I can surrender or do things and I expect immediate result. And so I have to just remember to just trust the process. I think the easiest way I do that, not the easiest way, but the way that I have really learned to let go is in the area of with my clients and not trying to fix them and recognizing this is their journey and this is their process and I may never see the result and that's okay. Lastly, loving yourself right? She talked about loving yourself and we try so much for other people to love us, but what if we took all that energy and loved ourselves? doesn't mean we don't love anyone else, but you know, it's even today, I know as I'm, you're listening to this in April, I'm recording this on what, February the 27th. I read something in the Calm app and it was talking about the, the Calm app word for today was developing a, a, a romantic love relationship with yourself. Like that's an ongoing journey and it's a beautiful thing. And I can say that, yes, I am on the journey of loving myself, meaning there was a point where I thought I was unlovable. Like I never, I didn't even realize it, but I thought I was unlovable and I've grown in love with myself. I've developed in love. And I think it doesn't stop. It's ongoing and it goes deeper and deeper. And I think just loving Bianca and recognizing that I am worthy of love was a big thing. I think another thing I'm doing right now is in the way that I talk to myself, being kinder and more compassionate and just checking in with me what's important to me. So I hope this was a great episode for you as it was for me and you have all these takeaways. I want to hear your takeaways. If they're the same or if they're different, let me know. DM me on Instagram, Authentically Be You. Tag the podcast. Just send me a message, right? And just let me know. You know, you remember you can leave a voicemail. You can leave a voicemail on the website, itdidn'tbreakme.com. I would love to hear what you have to say and I might share that on the podcast too. So thank you so much for listening. Were you inspired by this story? Here are some ways you can shower me and the podcast with your appreciation and support. Follow, rate and review the show on your favorite podcast platform. Share the podcast via text with your people, with your tribe 
subscribe to the newsletter where I share my personal stories of discovering the beauty within the mess. And lastly, follow me on Instagram at authenticallybeyou for tips and insights on overcoming perfectionism so you can embrace your imperfections and authentically be you. Thank you so much for listening to the It Didn't Break Me podcast and remember to discover the beauty within the mess.